All right, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful public school system here in Prescott, Arizona. The Prescott Unified School District has been serving children for over 150 years. And while the community and district has grown and changed considerably since 1868, the commitment to children, families, and the community remains the same to this day. PUSD welcomes all students, including those who live outside the district boundaries, because at Prescott Unified School District, every child, every day, Everywhere matters. Proceeds from your membership and our advertisers with Raven Productions goes directly to supporting the arts programs in the PUSD. Welcome to the Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Hey everybody, welcome to today's podcast. We are about to have an amazing conversation with actor, writer, director, Brooke Sagan. Brooke Sagan may currently be seen in the dark comedy 12-Hour Shift on Hulu. She is also a creator, artistic director of the long-running L.A. hit show 30-Minute Musicals, which has parodied over 15 films in fast-paced musical form. Check out 30MM's YouTube channel for clips from various shows. Sagan's company, Second Line Productions, began in 2008 and turns out numerous productions each year in the Los Angeles theater and comedy communities. If you'd like to learn more about Brooke Sagan, please see our show notes for links to her social media accounts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited for today's guest because she is a friend of mine that I've known for quite some time, and she is delectable in every sense of the word. Um, and I coaxed her to be in the podcast, and she said yes, which makes her just a good human being. So welcome, Brooke. How are you, my Hi. dear? Hi. Um, we are going to start at the beginnings of you. Great. Great. Tell me where you were born and talk me through the little life of Brooke Sagan. Sagan. Oh, Why can't I ever say your last name? It, I know. No one can. Say it again. Like, say it again. It's Frosh. It's yep, not, you say it's it, not Sagan say it, like Texas. Yeah, say it for me. Sagan. Sagan. Okay. Yeah. Brooke mm-hmm. Sagan. Yes. Oh, it's but so I've romantic never when you if say anyone it like says a weird thing. It's so like make outable when you say it like that. I mean, it's just so oh, like Sagan. Yeah. yeah. I love Please it. let the boys know. I so will. They come, so they can come to my yard. You need to come to Arizona. We've got some hot cowboys. All right. You're like, <laughs> what, an hour away? I'll be there. Basically, yeah. By way yeah. of United Airlines. Yeah. An hour. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> so let's start. <laughs> I could do this all day with you. Let's start at the <laughs> beginning of your life and mm-hmm. talk about from like zero to five, six, seven, about where you were born, what your family dynamic was like, and little Brooke Sagan and what kind of child you were. All right. Um, gosh, little little Brookie sequence uh, was born uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah, girl. Uh, at Women's Hospital, which surprisingly now is the police station, which I think is an interesting fact. They just turned that hospital into the police station. Why like not? you do. Like you do. Um, but I feel like I grew up like in Louisiana and also in Mississippi, sort of like I'm right, like Baton Rouge is kind of right there, like at the top of the toe of the boot 
and Mississippi sitting like right on top of it. And my grandparents were in Mississippi. So we were there like, you know, every weekend as you do. Southern girl. Yeah, so just a Southern girl, you know, especially during deer hunting season. Yeah, you don't have a draw though. Did you lose it? People say that. I think it's like when I'm talking to family or I get really angry and I start talking really fast, it happens. You know, sometimes if I'm hanging out with Southern people, just kind of like little, little phrases, you know, like just the word pal, something, (laughs) something like that. Pal. You're my Uh, pal. Um, uh So what was little Brookie like? Were you, were you a naturally born entertainer? Did you come into this world being like, Hey world, here I come. Or were you, um, I don't sing like that by the way, just for the, yeah, (laughs) I, I, Definitely. I, (laughs) I am an introvert, but I was always fascinated with music and I was always writing songs and doing plays, pretending I was in music videos, all the above. Do you have siblings? I do have an older brother. Um, and he's a, he's a weirdo too. We just, we loved, we loved, you know, watching movie musicals and just being very silly all the time. So let's, let's move forward a little bit into like school years, into that, you know, middle school, you know, kindergarten through like sixth, seventh, I don't know, in those weird preliminary defining shape who you are kind of a person. You were, you just said you were kind of an introvert. Did you look to the arts at all for an outlet or were you tip, had you found that calling kind of outside of? Yeah, for sure. I think for me, I, I, uh, was always reading. I had a book in my hand all the time and I loved writing stories and just kind of like that kind of escapism. Um, I'm like the baby of both sides of my family. So I have this like inherent, like I'm special. Everyone understands and knows that I'm special. Right. So then like when I went to middle school and like, you know, you <laughs> middle school girls, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm not special. Oh, you're saying I ain't shit. Okay. Oh, Okay. Right. Oh, oh, good to know. I I hadn't gotten that memo. Good to know. So did you jump in? How did you how did you combat being not special in which you are very special, but I mean in in, you're absolutely right. In those, you know, pre-teenage kind of years, everybody's just like, look at me turning into the budding flower, you know. Um, how did you combat that and where did you put your energy and were you like a drama club geek? Were you a choir singer? Were you a, cause you do yeah, it all. For sure. I think I, I turned in on myself quite a bit, but once I got to a bigger school in high school, um, cause I went to like just such a tiny little middle school was like the worst. And I begged my mom to go to one particular high school because they had a fantastic musical theater program. Mm. So, um, I ended up at that school and just with, with a bigger pool of kids, you kind of just are able to find your people more, you know? So I found all the theater kids and, uh, you know, that just kind of saved it all for me, finding your tribe. I'm always fascinated by the idea that so often introverted people are drawn to extroverted things. And I think it's, you know, yeah. most people in my case always assume I'm an extrovert because of performance, as I'm sure when anybody meets you, they probably, because you're hilarious and you're outgoing and you're warm and you perform and you just assume that these people are naturally these out there individuals. Yeah. But it's really, I find so many of the introverts that have this like quiet side that really are drawn to this, this outlet where they are like, and turn into someone else part-time. Yeah. 
I think you to- it's a thing of like totally being a storyteller and becoming someone else on stage. But I think we're also like introverts are just natural um, observers. We're just watching everyone else and waiting until we're totally comfortable or in a certain situation to be like a full mama rose. You know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just the total mama rose. Um, Hello, boys. <laughs> Hello, sweetheart. So <laughs> in high school, did you did you do the plays? Like, was that your thing? Did you dive in? What was your play of memories? What was your moment of like, this is my life? <laughs> yeah. I So musical theater was just a huge thing. I was also like, I was on the dance team and that kind of stuff. But like musical theater was just where it was at. Like my, my senior year, I got to do uh damn Yankees and I was Lola and that was like just a little dream come true. Yes, girl. Yes. Yeah. Which we redid later in a sense because a handful of years oh, we ago. Did, yeah. We did some little Fosse fun yeah, stuff. You directed this incredible video that I sang in, which was super fun. And I looked hot in it, which is, I'm just saying that because I don't you normally did. feel as though I uh-huh. looked that way. But I, when you directed me, I was like, wow, I'm fierce. Anyway, so thank you for that. That's just because you are, and it comes from the inside, and then it goes outside, and everyone sees it. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. in high school, as you were as you were in Damn Yankees, and you were Lola, were you already thinking this is what I want to do with my life? Was or were you one of those kids that's like I'm not really sure? Did you want to go to college? Did you not? Were you forced? Were you? How I did you- I didn't think it was possible, um, even though like. The arts, that's where I lit up and that's what I was drawn to. That's what I loved. I didn't think, um, I didn't think it was possible at all as, as a career. I think just my, my mind at that time was like, oh, good, you know, nice little Southern girl. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be a teacher. Also, when I, when I started college, I just focused on English literature. I was like, oh, I'm just going to get my degree and just be a teacher. Was and then college somewhere was- in there, I like couldn't. I took a few theater classes, and I was like, "Oh, I, can't. I actually, I, I'm lying to myself. <laughs> I'm lying. I'm lying to myself, and I have to like just jump down this the scary path." You had your own coming out party. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> um, was college for you something that you had always planned on doing? Was it something that your family required or was it just something that you knew you would want to do or you had no I- other ideas at the time? I think it was just like the logical uh, progression. Neither of my parents graduated um, with a degree. They, they didn't finish college, um, but it was just sort of like always expected that I would go. Um, and I got a scholarship and it was like, why, why wouldn't you just go? Totally. Um, and all my friends, like, it was just sort of like next steps. You just do the next steps. So, so where, I just followed the Where next did step. you go to college in state? I went to LSU. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good football. Oh my God. Yeah. I was there every, <laughs> every game. And it was not far from my parents' uh, house. So it was like 30 minutes. So when I was in college, I would do this. Um, one of my friends called it Brooke summer camp. I would move out for a semester and then I would hate my roommates and then I would move back home with my parents for a semester and then I'd get aggravated with my parents and I'd move back out, find another apartment and then it was just back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you got to do until you get to You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so you got into college and you were going to be a teacher in your mind and then you were like, I really just love the arts. I mean, I just do. Yeah. 
At that point, did you have any concern about making a living in the arts? Or did you have like a, well, I'll give it a shot. If it doesn't work out, I'll go back to school. Like, were you a plan B person or were you a, I'm an all in and I'll just figure it out? I think at the time, um, when I, when I finished college, I did not have the money to just hop in the car and go anywhere. You know, I kind of just assumed, um, I was like, Oh, I love, I love theater. I love improv. I'll go to Chicago. Oh, like second city style. Yeah. And I thought, I thought I'd do that. Um, but I kind of made a little stopover and I actually taught high school for a year once I graduated. In I was like, Louisiana? Oh, in Louisiana. Yeah. I kind yeah. of got offered this job and I thought, oh, I'll do this. I'll make a little cash and then I'll be able to make my way out to Chicago. Um, and I'm so glad I did that because I thought, I thought that teaching would entrance me, that it would be just dead poet society and it would just be very, no one would, no one would commit suicide, but um, right, right, I would inspire, like a would inspire young minds. Yeah. And I thought it would just be very fulfilling. And it was like, like one of the worst experiences ever. <laughs> the like it wasn't me. for you. Oh, it was not for me. I think I cried. I cried listening to Ben Folds like every day driving to school <laughs> at like 7 a.m. You're like, what? <laughs> why? <laughs> I do this. They're so mean. So did that experience then just reignite? You're like, I need to get out of here. I'm going to go do me. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely lit a fire. I was like, oh, I've got to, I got to get out of here. If I'm, if I'm going to give it a shot, I've got to give it a full shot. Um, and by that point I had been out, a friend of mine had already moved to LA and I went to visit her on spring break. And I was like, I, I came to the conclusion, like, you know, going to Chicago would just be a stop off. Eventually, if you want to be a working actor and you want to actually uh, make a living, you have to be in New York or you have to be in LA. Right. You're right. only going to Chicago to just do some theater and and have you know more improv on your resume. So let me ask you: at this point, did you have because obviously you had had the theater bug and you had done singing and dancing and musical theater and all this stuff. Did you then know yet that you were the writer that you also are? Because you really are the epitome of a triple threat in all, I, I mean, this lady puts on these things called 30 minute musicals. I'm going on a tangent for a second, so don't lose where you are. And yeah. this is absolutely, when I lived in Los Angeles, one of my favorite things ever, because she would adapt um, a modern pop culture film like yep. Top Gun or what are some of the other ones you did? You've done a bunch, but... Um, oh, yeah. Showgirls, oh Die Hard, Showgirls was so good. Yeah. <laughs> and she would turn this whole pop culture film into a 30-minute musical. But you're talking like full cast, full productions, dance numbers, songs written from scratch, and yeah. with the complete arc of the film. It's absolutely genius. And it all stems from your brain which just makes me look at you and my head explode because you are an endless, you know, trove of brilliance. And my question, that was a very long-winded way to get back to my question, was at this time, had you been diving into the writing creating aspect yet? Did you know you were capable of that yet? Or were you just like, I'm going to go be an actor? Yeah, they were all kind of like part and parcel for me. Everything kind of like came together. I was always writing sketches, always like writing songs, uh, writing stories. 
I, I wrote poems in high school. Like, so you God, did, you had that, read them. that outlet yeah, already. I always it. wanted to do all of it. Like if I had an idea, I wanted to bring the idea. I wanted to be the, the full end all be all of the idea. You know, you write the whole script, then you do it and you play a part in it. You get to do all this and produce it and all the above. Yeah. Had you at that point, you know, obviously you were teaching kids in a non-dead poet society setting, but um, (laughs) have you given it a shot yet to be that person? Like, had you dabbled in that water yet? For sure. When I was in, I, I don't like to be told no. Um, and I, I've I always relate. been a little bit, yeah, um, I've always been a little bit of a self-starter. So even like in college, you know, I took the ideas of kind of some of the things that I was doing in high school, just writing sketches, directing my own sketches, doing that kind of stuff in college. It, it was like, well, if I want to do this show, then I'm going to have to find a way to do it on my own. The theater department's not letting me do it. Mm. they're not putting it up on their own. So I'm going to find an independent production company or I'm going to produce it myself. I'll find a found space to do it in. I'll go ahead and get the rights. I'll find the band. I'll do all this. So I put like, you know, there were several musicals I put together and a play I put together as well, just on my own, just trying to force things to happen. You're such a badass. I've done that a lot. I've, I've Sometimes it's paid off and sometimes it's just ruined me. But Well, and I love that about you. And that was one of the reasons, one of many, that I was so excited to have you on because you really do encompass the self-starter aspect and the full angle aspect, which I think most people don't realize how much benefit there is to being your own catalyst and to being your own, like, trumpet player. You know what I mean? You're the person going, bum, yeah. bum, I'm going to do it. Right, right. There's a lot, there's plenty of people who tell you no, and there's plenty of people who shut you down. And there's plenty of people who tell you that's a terrible idea. And yeah. your tenacity, I mean, full, full frontal, full nudity, like straight out <laughs> there, it, you brought yourself to the table. You're like, we're going to do this top to bottom. And that takes right. a lot of strength and drive and a lot of passion and compassion for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever doubt yourself in those moments? Were you ever like, oh, I shouldn't do it? Or maybe this one stunk? Yeah, for sure. There's always like a moment of like, can I actually do this? There were definite times where like you have that gut instinct of like, ah, I'm hitting a lot of roadblocks with this particular thing. I should stop while I can. And then just bullheadedness went through anyway. And, and, you know, you learn the lessons you learn, you take them away and that's what you get, but you might ruin yourself financially, all the above, but (laughs) it happens. It happens. Yeah. Money's round. It comes, it goes. Um, Uh, (laughs) Except for when you have to pay rent and then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm ready for it to come on the back end now. Let's go. Exactly. So when you got to LA, Mm -hmm. you're in your twenties, you're just like this young, sweet Southern belle and Mm -hmm. you're with a whole lot of drive. How did you feel about LA when you landed? Was it big and lonely? Did you have, other than the friend that you had visited on spring break, did you feel like, because you'd never lived that far from your parents, honestly. Never that far. There were, you know, having, having people was great. I had some folks, you know, some friends that I knew, which is great. But, um, I mean, I think I spent a a solid few months crying every day. Yeah. Cause it's just such an, a different experience, um, you know, coming from the South, you're just so used to everyone offering you food right? or like just being able to see people in the social aspect. And like, it's when you don't know anyone in LA and there's like, 
you, I just didn't have community yet. So I didn't feel like plugged in. So that was, that was hard. Yeah. You, know, you dropped yourself in a city. brand new city and, and a huge yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in funny kind of ways, because as, as much as I, I think of New York as being this insane bustling city, there is kind of a built-in community because everybody walks everywhere. Everybody takes the public transportation. Right. Everybody's in and out of bars. Everybody's in and out of wherever. And everybody's climbing the stairs to get up their brownstone three flights with their 800-pound uh-huh. bag. You get oh, to yeah. LA and it's like a gajillion miles wide and everybody's in a bubble car and nobody's yeah. trying to even talk to you. No. And everybody's rolling in to do the arts, which is not a bad thing, but you're just one more. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. What was your first, how did you support yourself when you first got to Los Angeles? Um, I think I started, um, <laughs> I took my resume everywhere. I tried so hard to get, um, I tried so hard to get a restaurant job. And I like with, with, <laughs> I got turned down so much. <laughs> I'm, and I was so angry. I, I even, um, someone from back home knew someone who knew someone who managed a cheesecake factory in Woodland Hills. Okay. Now, where were you drove, living is the question. I was living in Los Feliz. Oh, opposite side of the city. Oh yeah. Or yeah. part of the, the, that side of this. It was the opposite side of that side of the city. Yeah. Different world. Woodland yeah. Hills is like, you know, that's an hour. Um, and then the manager like took my resume and he talked to me and he said, um, well, you should try uh, Red Robin. <laughs> and I, I was like, I've never eaten at a Red Robin, but I know that I'm insulted. <laughs> I know, sir, that you just insulted me. I have a college degree. <laughs> you want me to work at Red Robin? I love so, it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was a nightmare. But I ended up doing a bunch of um, catering work. I cater waited all the time. Yeah. How did you meet uh, people? And I'm asking you these questions because we have a lot of people who listen who, you know, are intrigued by the arts or are drawn to the arts. And they're starting yeah. their careers and they're thinking, like, how do you do this? And right. you're a perfect example of somebody that was like, I just, I'm going to go do it. And yeah, with all the guts and the glory, how do you meet people in a big city like that? How do you find your community and your, your niche? I think for me and, and, uh, you know, all the friends that I have now, it all came from acting classes. Ah, you know, like I met, you know, Tara Perry, I met in an acting class, Tom Petrinas, I met in an acting class, you know, you, you're thrown together. You're having to rehearse all the time. You're diving into your emotions and you're doing the work. I'm putting quotation marks around the word work. Um, and you kind of just get to know each other really well. And then that just kind of stays. Yeah. And then you like book a theater show as with any theater show, you become this little community. I think the first musical I did in LA was, um, I ended up, doing West Side Story. Oh, it's such a good I one. Probably, I should not have been playing a teenager even then, probably. Um, but there I was playing a teenager. Um, and you, you, the whole cast, just you, you know, you're doing so many shows a week. You're just going out to Denny's after. You're drinking all the time. You just kind of, <laughs> you know, you kind of just find your people. Yeah. Where did you, did? that's a, such a great point. I love that you brought that up because... It's true. When you want to 
jump into something and be great at it and get a foot in the door, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go take acting classes. I love that. How did you look up? Like, how did you know where you wanted to be? There's a hundred acting classes out there. Thousand, you know, how did you pick a starting point on, you know, diving in? I, well, I started doing improv first. That was like off, you know, as I Which, didn't by the way, I, here, I'm but... totally going to interrupt you. You are brilliant at improv and I've seen you do Thank that as well too. And so, um, for Thank anybody you. that has a comedic bone in their body, listen to this woman. Ha! Um, I, everyone knows groundlings. So I was like, that's, that's obvious. So when I moved out here, that's where I started. And then from there I met, I just met other people who were doing improv in other places and kind of some smaller places. And from there, like finding little smaller niche communities, you kind of make those friends and just the more connections you make for acting classes. It was like, well, who do I, who do I know? What do they recommend? Whose work do I like? Where are they studying? And that's kind of how I found the, I don't want to say the acting class, but it's okay. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to send people there anymore, but that's, <laughs> that's where I went. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. The name shall remain nameless. Yes. Um, how did you combat the struggles that every young actor or actress goes through, which is breaking into the world of auditioning and commercials and film and maybe even a uh, soap opera here and there? Um, yeah. How did you, were you doing, looking at the back of Variety, doing casting calls? Were you searching for an agent? And how did you, I mean, I, the reason why I'm so fascinated about your particular journey is that, like, I grew up born and raised in LA, right? I, yeah. I'm one of the, like, 10 natives and of yeah. my generation. Everything's, like, secondhand to you, yeah. Yeah, it just, it was one of those things that I remember being out of college. My dad's like, oh, well, you need an agent. Let me call so-and-so. And -and so-and-so knew to call so-and-so, and and I had an agent. Now, he wasn't a good agent, and that meant nothing in my world. But at the time, it it was still a hell of a lot faster than somebody who doesn't have that ability. Right, right. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was all a mystery. And you kind of start with that first, like, what's the, where do I go? What do I do? And in the first kind of like, booklets or whatever internet thing that you look for. At that time when I moved, it was like going to Sam French. So you had to go to Samuel French. You had to buy the, um, you bought these labels. Okay. You bought the, the, bought the pre-printed labels. Then you bought the, you had to buy the window envelopes for your headshot. So you put the headshot in with your resume and then, you know, then you mail out all those just trying to get an agent. Um, and that like, to me is just, uh, it was kind of fruitless for me. Yeah. I think cause, um, LA is one of those places like you're not going to really get anywhere or get anything until you start making personal connections yeah. and only personal connections will lead you to this, lead you to that, lead you to this. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, so I can't, I don't remember if I got very many hits on anything like that, but it, it was really just sort of kind of coming out of like improv theater or people that I met who'd be like, Hey, you're right for this. I'm working on this. Why don't you come in and do this? Or I'm working on this project. Um, and then just hopping in sort of kind of word of mouth. Um, and then there's all these, um, they've stopped now. They've, they've evolved in a way just because the, a law cracked down on them, but casting director workshops, 
because they can just be a hotbed for like casting directors coming in and like just taking your money, yeah. you know, <laughs> like they're you know, just, you're paying like a lot of money for it and they're not, they're never going to give you an audition. They're never going to call you in, but it does happen. So you kind of hold on to that little kernel. Well, like a, that's the whole thing is that take all these. Yeah. They're preying on your hope, right. And your hope yes, and exactly. your, and your belief in your own talent. And they're like, listen, if you yeah. believe in yourself, which you clearly had at this point, you made the big leap, you go to LA, you're like, I'll figure it out. You start getting involved. You start doing, you know, comedy and, and doing improv and, and then getting into theater and doing more of the stuff. And they're like, okay, clearly here's a person who is backing themselves. They're investing in themselves. And I'm going to yeah. go ahead and take that money with, <laughs> with the hope that they think right. it gets them somewhere. And the thing about the acting scene is that everything is a gamble. So it's hard to, de- to decipher what is going to get you to the next place and what won't, because there's always the one person who went to that one casting workshop who got the one thing that launched yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And they can bank on that. Yeah, totally. So how did you, uh, how did you combat that? I mean, where did you kind of like draw lines for yourself? I think I tried to be very, uh, judicious about like, if I was doing a casting director workshop, I tried to choose casting directors that could actually call me in casting directors who were working on shows that I would be right for. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I sort of like barreled in on uh, commercial work, and that's probably where I've been the most commercially successful. Mm-hmm. Um, is in doing commercials because I started taking commercial casting director workshops and trying to figure out like, okay, what's this game? Right. I need to figure out this game so I can kind of book some things and have money in my pocket, so then I can worry about the stuff that I really, you know, want to do. Yeah, and you've got a great um, face for commercials, so that helps. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know how to give um, good face. Uh-huh. I think, uh, you know, jumping into uh, who, I can't remember. Um, Chris Game has a great commercial casting director workshop. And I started, um, when I took his workshop, I just said, hey, can I, can I come intern with you? Can I get on the other side of casting and see what that's like? That's amazing. That was what I was going to ask you next is how did you kind of parlay into doing some casting yourself? And I was curious if that were the beginnings of that. Came yeah, out. that's how I jumped in. Yeah. And then from there, just with working for different casting directors, people just kept like hiring me and just being in different offices. Um, and really from getting to know people in that world is how I got a better commercial casting agent. Um, how I started just kind of uh, feeling more comfortable and getting more appointments and getting more auditions was really just because I also like worked behind the scenes. Right. Both and. I love it. You're like, I'm going to go through, I'm going to get in this house from one door or another. Yeah. Which is, I think for any, um, for any actor, for anyone doing anything in Los Angeles, you should work hard to, you should work hard um, to be on both sides of things, intern somewhere, learn what the casting process is like, try to produce your own thing. So then when you show up on set, you're not going to be an asshole. You understand that everyone's waiting on you to shoot this one particular thing. And you've already, you've already seen it from a producer side of things, right? You know, so, you know, like, Hey, time is money. I can't just stand around and make jokes with people all day. I actually have to, I have to get it done. Yeah, because you know, for a lot of times actors think you think the whole world revolves around you. 
Yeah. You don't, you don't see the people who got there at 6am to set up everything. Totally. You know? So like just having that well, well roundedness. I mean, you, you can get it without, if you were raised well and you're a good person and you're conscientious, yeah, you, you, you can do it, but you don't really, I don't think you really understand what it's like until you put your money into something and you've lost it until you have like been the only person there who can like put the props together, put the costumes together. And then you're putting the whole thing together. It's all you. And you have that sense of pride, but understanding like what each little job is. Totally. And the value of those jobs. Cause you have a lot more, like you said, a a respectful nature to showing up and doing the work in a productive way. All right, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by The Raven Cafe, located at 142 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. I love this place. I eat there all the time. And let me tell you why. The Raven Cafe features a full, all-organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines. Their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients, many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up-and-coming local music. You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. I do have yeah. to ask you though, because you're, at this point, you're off and running, you're auditioning, you're casting, you're working, you're doing all these things. How uh, was that with home life? You're, you've never gone back to Louisiana at this point, right? And you're away from family. And are those things, did you ever get homesick and think, oh gosh, I should throw on the towel and go home? Or was it just kind of like, no, I'm doing everything I need to be doing and um, I'll figure that out? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's complicated. When I moved out, I promised my parents, I said, five years, I'm going to give it five years. Well, that's just not realistic at all. Right. Um, so the more time that I spent out here and you've, you've kind of built your little community, you've built your framework, um, it, it becomes nearly impossible to kind of move back. Now, if I like booked something and could be two different places, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's been really hard. I'm a very, I come from a very, um, strong family dynamic. Um, so it's been hard to not be home for all the little things and, you know, yeah, that's difficult. I mean, I, a couple of years ago, my dad got very sick and then he passed away, but that was, uh, for me, I just had to move home. I, I had to be home for that process, you know? So I probably, most of 2017, like I, I was just there, yeah. you know? But I think that's remarkable because you'll never regret that. You know what I mean? Oh God, no. Yeah. You'll yeah. never go, look, what if I had gone, you know, I should have, or I wish I would have, or yeah. the shoulda, coulda, wouldas exactly. and wishes won't ever be in your dialogue, which is really important. Yeah. 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 And it, that, uh, experience definitely puts everything into perspective. You, you say like, Oh, the little things that I'm doing in Los Angeles, I don't mean to denigrate them. They're not little things, right? but, but my career, uh, or my job 
has nothing on my relationships. The only thing that matters at the end of the day that you take away is how you treat other people and what those relationships are like. You can't, and you can't even tell stories and like, you know, be, be an actor, be a creative person unless you're fed from those relationships as well. And life experiences. Yeah, for sure. But I, I know like a lot of um, actors get so wrapped up and like, oh, if you leave town, that's just when they try to book you. So you can't ever leave town. And we're all in this kind of panicky place of like, oh, I can't book out. I can't go anywhere. I can't, I can't go to my brother's wedding. I can't, you know, go do this family thing. But like, you know, I think that's what I always, um, if people ask me about like advice to younger actors, <laughs> um, that kind of stuff. It's always like, well, your, your success has to be in, in your moment right now. You have to be happy with your life as it is in this moment. It's not when I book that movie, right? then I am an actor. When I book this, then I am that. It isn't. It's in the moment. If I'm not happy in what I'm doing right now, this is a part of being an actor. Like Absolutely. Each day is that. Yeah. Absolutely. I if love you're waiting you for that. some label or like, you know, price tag or something to tell you what you are, you'll never get it. You'll so never reach that milestone. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I mean, and that has a lot to do with becoming a well, a full person, right? And that, like you just yep. said, it. I don't, that's only going to feed your bag of tricks in your talent. It's the more you have to draw on, the more life you've lived and the more present you've been, the more you can pull from later when that role does come around. And you're like, I actually know what it's like to go home and be with my father, you know, during something like this. Yeah. Let me ask you, what was the, when did you hit the, like, I do need to go back. I mean, you're without sounding trite on any level. It's like your father had passed when did you hit the, like, I need to go do me versus I need to stay home, be near the family and redirect my life? Because a lot of times life things like that put a fork in your road. And sometimes, sometimes on the other side of it, people go, you know what? It, I've had a great run. This has been everything I needed it to be. And now that I'm home and now that I've had this whole other experience, my perspective of what I want to do is maybe not changed, but it's, broadened in a different way and, and this or that. Right. I think I, uh, I'm, I'm, I've never been closed off to like what the possibility is of a change. If I decide that my life needs to look different, if I wanted to move somewhere else or kind of have what I'm doing, like change in some way. Right. But, um, coming back to LA from Louisiana after that whole experience, it just kind of, um, it just felt like, okay, now is the time to to take a step back. And it took a long time. It still is taking a long time to kind of process uh, grief and loss yeah. and um, kind of be a normal uh, human again. I don't even know if I, if you ever do that again, <laughs> you just become a whole nother, a whole nother thing, whole nother creature. Well, you're a whole um, new version of yourself. You've now, yeah. you have one more thing that you'd never been through before and it's never going to change. That's part of who yeah. you are now. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You carry it always. Um, so yeah. And I haven't gotten to that, to that kind of place yet of like wanting to 
do something different. I know a lot of people, especially in the pandemic are like hitting that kind of, they've hit a wall and they've been like, I don't have to be here. I don't right. have to be here. I'm going to go to back home. I'm going to move back home. I'm going to do this. For me, I just feel like in LA, I've planted some good roots and I have that good, some good community folks. You know, I'm not. Uh, Has it become home for you now? It's become a home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think home, like the concept of home is always about uh, people right. as opposed to particular places. But I definitely feel like LA is like, it is, it is a home. There's a comfort here for my own you know, the, the little traditions of every day, the little like things, customary things that you kind of do and have in the city, the place you like to go and get Thai food from. Like, it's hard <laughs> to like, even though so many things have like closed down in the pandemic, but. I appreciate you uh, saying that so much because literally every time I discuss anything with like home or family, it's always like, oh, I love, you know, my home and my family, but also the food. <laughs> But it's also food. Yeah. Also, also where I eat is an an important part of my day. Yeah. It's very important. I mean, when I moved out to LA, I thought, how can people live without Waffle House? Right. Right. What do you do without a Waffle House? And I've, I've managed. But when I go back home, I'm like, oh, did you, you guys wanted to go to Waffle House? Okay. I'm here for that. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. Sounds great. So how has been being back through something as crazy as a global pandemic from an artistic perspective of somebody who does, your art does greatly depend on the audition, on the getting in front of people, on the being out and networking, the keeping the relationships alive, going to have that cocktail or happy hour, showing up at that show or that thing. How has that felt for you um, in your creative internal process? It's been... um... I mean, nothing can touch, nothing can touch loss. Right. Um, but at the beginning of 2020, I sort of felt like I was coming to the end of grief. I kind of felt like I was starting oh, to. What hard timing. Oh my yeah. gosh. You're like, I just got to a place where I feel. I just, yeah. And now. I just got to a moment where I felt like, oh, now I can start, oh, you know, rebuilding, rebuilding who this new person is like experiencing this new life. And, uh, you know, I I bought, I got a journal that year. I was like, here's all the goals and calendar. I'm going to write it all out because I'm not a planner. Um, and then the pandemic happened. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. (laughs) Um, I guess I'll park it for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been uh, devastating and depressing. Like, um, nothing nothing touches loss right. and death. Right. Like I've, I've been through horror. Right. Right. For me. Um, so nothing really can, can be every day has been an experience of like, well, it's at least it's not that. Totally. At least I'm not but doing that. There's so much validity to that though, because everything is really a sliding scale of importance. Right. I mean, that's where right. I, Perspective is a beautiful thing to attain. And that's one of those moments where I feel like actually in that regard specifically, having Uh gone through something so immense and so powerful and so gut-wrenching in your life, it really does give you the perspective of like, this blows. Like, yes, sure, it's this is not great. But also, I am healthy. I'm okay. I've been through far far worse. I can get through this too. Um, yeah. 
pandemic I, sucks, but I, I definitely, you know, going, going through what I went through, I left with the feeling of, oh, I can fucking do anything. Yeah. I can do anything. I can withstand it. I think, you know, lots of people are born with that. I think women for sure have this inherent like, oh yeah, all right, just one foot in front of the other. I I don't want to do this. This rips me apart, yeah. but I can put one foot in front of the other. I can persevere. It may not be everything I want it to be, right? but I can keep going. That's what I can do. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel yeah. like for me, I said it several times. Like I didn't feel, I didn't feel hopeful for a future. I didn't feel in my grief that I would feel great and happy, but I knew I had courage. Yeah. I know the courage is there and I can keep putting one foot in front of the other. Maybe you run into something good somewhere down the line. Maybe you stop and take a nap for a few days. <laughs> But like, you know, you're going to keep going and keep going forward. Absolutely. I think that's kind of like, you know, just in the pandemic, it's the same thing of like trying to get back into that attitude. Like there, it sucks, but somewhere down there is an end. And I have to um, have grace with myself. Like just forgive yourself because certainly a lot of people like, oh, I bet you're doing this, but you're writing this, you're doing that. Well, I have been sad, so I haven't uh, done all the things I've wanted to do, and that's okay. I forgive myself for that. That's such a powerful statement. I think more often than not, especially as artists, we don't take, we give grace to everybody else. We are like, you can do it. You've got it. This is fine. You know, we have all these like encouraging ways, especially with other people we know are creative. Um, I think we forget to give that same love and grace and compassion to ourselves. And I think learning that on any level is a, is worth it. Not the loss doesn't make it worth it, but I'm saying learning the lesson is a worthwhile lesson to learn. Yeah. um, No matter how it finds you. I am curious though, because you bring up a really good point. It's like, no, I've been sad for you. Um, do you think that that's something down the road you'll process from an outside perspective? You know what I mean? Like, do you think that your creative mind will we'll tap into this chapter of your life later as a creative entity to draw, draw from, or do you think you might go, you know what, that was that place in time. And I lived it. I went through it. I survived it. I, and then I'm going to leave that there and try to dive into creativity in new ways in the future. Um, how do you think you will kind of ponder and process what the last really probably more like two years ish Two yeah, and a half, three years has been for you in the in the grand scheme. I think it'll be like a continual processing, um, and I I think like when you create and you do art, it just it doesn't matter what you consciously try to do or not. It's a part of you, so your experience is just in there. So even if you're not intentionally trying to bring in the feeling of like what 2020 was, it's just there. Right. And it'll, if you, if you don't address it, same thing, same thing with grief. If you don't address it sooner or later, it's going to come bubbling out, you know? And I, I it's a sneaky devil. It hides in there. It doesn't, it doesn't just disappear. So I think all of our, like the, the things that we have all collectively been through are going to bubble up. We'll see them in movies to come and, and shows 
you know, we'll, we'll have these, this sort of like zoom narrative oh, in our yeah. head. All the time. We'll just kind of see things in zoom. And I mean, it's changed a lot of the process of like acting and auditions, of course. Um, but I think like, it'll just stay kind of, um, for us, uh, and for especially the next like generation of artists, people who have experienced it, I think it'll stay kind of, it'll in, stay there in the presence. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to hover around. Do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions that I like to ask all my guests? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Based on the journey that you've had up to this point in your life plan, life journey, the zero to now, what is something you would tell your younger self? Gosh, I think uh, I would definitely tell my younger self to cherish every moment. Um, but I think just, and it's, I'm continuing to tell myself this as well, just to forgive my freaking self all the time. Um, I, I'm just a people pleaser. And so, uh, I'm usually, I'm that person who like replays conversations over and over again, or I hate to do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing. Um, and I think I, I would tell my younger self definitely to just who gives a shit? Like, don't <laughs> Amen, girl. Don't worry about what other people are thinking or how they perceive you or what that that that's them. That's their journey. Totally. You just have, if they misunderstand what you're doing, you know, you do your best to try and correct it. But if not, oh well, move, you move forward. Yeah, and if you're authentically, I love I love that because if you're authentically living in your present. And you're working on being the best version of yourself and you're you're interacting with people in a way that you feel good about. How they take that is on them. And um, you're absolutely right. I think we all need to be giving ourselves a little bit more forgiveness in and not worry so much. I think we've gotten to a place. It's so interesting. Collectively, I think two things have happened. I think on the one hand, people have gotten so (laughs) judgmental, like so quick to the draw, right? Everything means, everything means something. And we've lost a little bit of like, nah, maybe it really didn't mean anything. And they just flippantly said, you know, you're an asshole, whatever. I don't know. (laughs) But like, there was no second yeah. thought there and, and, and maybe yeah. you can just go, that's okay. Um, that's okay, yeah. but at the same time on the other end of that spectrum, I think we've all gotten to this place, hopefully where it's like, you know, everybody's having a bad day right now. So yeah. <laughs> everybody's having a bad day right hey, now on yeah. any given day. So like yeah. ease up. So yeah. Treat everyone with a little bit of like, that's okay. And communication, I think is one thing we, like, I wasn't taught really how to communicate very well as a child. Um, I think learning that as an adult, like, Oh, that person, that person was mean to me. Right. Right. Did they do that on purpose? Is it okay for me to just say, Hey, how did, how did you mean that? Oh, you didn't mean that that way at all. Okay, cool. Cool. It wasn't about me at all. Okay. We're good. We're good. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's over. Yeah. What would you say to this point specifically has been a career high for you, but also a career low? Does, like a same, a same thing or it doesn't, different- no, yeah, it can be two different things. It doesn't have to be the both. Hand, like this was the best day ever, but also I vomited. So therefore it, became, I, uh, yeah, it was yeah. trash. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, I've had a lot of different projects that I just had the best time on. Um, and I, I'll say like, whenever you're filming, 
uh, and you're on set and you get to improv, be funny. To me, those are the high moments Mm -hmm. when everyone on set has to be quiet because we're filming. But I say something funny and you can just see the body's moving. So like, yeah, the boom guy's shoulders, he's trying so hard not to laugh. And like that, that energy, even though it's not the same of like performing live and having that, what you feel from the crowd when you're doing improv or doing a live show, it's not that same thing. But the energy you feel on set from that is like, that's always a career uh, high. That's always the moment that... The, as soon as you know they say cut and the job's over, you're you're still always chasing those moments, right? You know, well because they're real in the moment. It, people yeah. are genuinely responding to something you've put out, you know, in, into yeah. the into the ethers. What's been a career low? I mean, there have been five million career lows. Um, I think like just being an actor and doing this day in, day out is like a nonstop, like you're eating, a, <laughs> you're eating breakfast cereal of rejection. It's rejection right. every day. Right. You've got a bowl of them, um, and just finding your way through it. So that's always, I think when the, when times are very low is when you feel like you've done a great job and you've got mm-hmm. something and then it, it, and then you don't. I'm just curious, how do you bounce back from that? Like people, people ask me that often in general, because I, and the reason I I'm bringing myself into this part of the conversation is that I'm somebody that I just, it rolls off the shoulder. Like you didn't like me. I give him the finger, but you have already kind of told us like, you're a people, people pleaser. You are somebody that rethinks and rehashes. Well, maybe if I had done this, or maybe if I had like, how does somebody with a, a little bit more of a nature you know, I'm a, I'm a bulldozer in general. You know what I mean? You know this about me. It's like, yeah, I'm going to yeah, walk in and go la, 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 la. And they're going to be like, yeah, no, I'm yeah. going to be like, fuck you and walk out and just keep going with my day. You yeah. may not be the same person in that regard. Or do you compartmentalize so that you can go, that was the audition, leave it there and then move on with your day. It is a continual process of reminding yourself to leave it behind. Got it. And, and, and being kind to yourself at the end. I think what has helped me in some situations is becoming very conditioned to the rejection. Yeah. Um, and understanding that, because I think sometimes, you know, it's hard to be a product to be, it's yourself, right. you know, you are trying to sell yourself like, and it's how other people perceive you. It's hard to kind of separate these things, but viewing yourself as more of a product. It's helpful to me having done being in casting and sort of seeing the back end of it. You know that at any given day, the decisions that surround who gets cast and not can be so arbitrary. It can just be as simple as like her hair was an inch too long. Right. She's, she's not pretty enough. She's too pretty. She's not skinny enough. She's too large. It's, it's like, yeah. It's the tiniest little things are like, especially in commercials, trying to fit together a little puzzle piece. Or even going I'm like. going one step further. It's like if you even if you do know it from the casting end anyway, okay, we found the guy we want. 
yeah. then pairing that guy to someone else. Like she would have been ideal till we found the guy. And now we found the guy. Yeah, but we, she's- have, we have to have that guy because he's the director's cousin and we have to have him or, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. It yeah. happens all the time. You realize how arbitrary it can be. Right. And all you can do at the end of the day is walk in and do the best that you can do. And you have to take the win from, oh, I continually get appointments from this office. Right. I continually get callbacks. I continually get avails. So I'm in the right area. I'm doing the right thing. But maybe for this, I just wasn't the right this or it wasn't the right thing. Right. I love that. You know, it's, it's always, it's never easy, especially for like, you know, like you said, that is true. I'm a rehasher. I lay down my pillow at night and I'm like, oh, I said that thing in 2012 and I should have said something different. (laughs) And now I'm going to think about it for 10 hours. Right. Yeah. What do you think at this point in your life, and you kind of touched upon this earlier, but just to kind of bookend it, what would you say is your definition of success? And has that word changed for you at all over the years from maybe when you first dropped your happy behind into Los Angeles, and now you're basically kind of a native because you've lived there plenty of years, you know, you're familiar, it's it's a home to you now. Um, right. What has become your definition of success and has it changed at all? Yeah, I definitely would have, if you had asked me what success was, you know, before I moved out here, it would be, oh yeah, being on a television show, being on a sitcom is the height of success. That's the pinnacle of a dream to me for sure. But that's, it's not how I define success anymore. Success is simply, do I have people in my life that I love and that love me? Can I pick up the phone and call someone if I'm on the side of the road and, and you know, my, I have a flat tire. Yeah. Relationships. Yeah. Success is simply like, yeah, relationships to me. Like, yeah. it, am I invested in other people? Am I give, am I giving other people, um, an unfettered version of myself? Am I connecting to people is how, how invested am I in relationships? Do my friends know I love them? Yeah. You know? Well, but that's so worth saying. I don't I don't think you, anybody can say that enough because I think the, yeah. especially in today's day and age when everything's quick, everything's quick to the draw, everything's gone right. in a second and it's like boom, 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 boom. To right. know that you are creating something that has meaning between you and another person, whomever that be, that can withstand yeah. the quickness of the lives we leave right now, lead right now. Yeah. Um, I think that is successful. And, and much like you said in the beginning, those relationships really are the things that get you to the next place in all the right. secondary stuff. And right. if you're being right. genuine with those relationships, then in turn, other great things continually happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I and all that. the little, like, in t- I always think about social media. It's like, we want that, like, we want that little hint. It's like sugar smacks. You're like, ah, give me this little... And it's sort of like an empty calorie though. It's not totally you're having somebody like a picture, you're doing this, blah, 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 but it's not real connection. Totally. It's that's not my, real connection. That's my hope for the post-pandemic, is that I'm hoping for as much as we've all had to sit home and get those little like sugar fixes, I'm hoping that when we get back to a place to be able to hug and dance and sing and put shows yeah. up and do, I'm hoping people go, you know what? I really don't care if there's 30 likes or 400 I, or a 10,000. I don't care. I'm yeah. here right now. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, exactly. from your lips, I hope that is what comes from the aftermath of all of this <laughs> yes. insanity. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, please. What's something, last question, what's something you would tell a, a young emerging person ready to drop themselves into Los Angeles? What would be a piece of advice you would tell them as, as a starting point? Gosh, I think um, it just takes the uh, the ability to put the blinders on and jump. Mm. Just just pick a pond and jump in it. I love and it. like and and see and see what happens. Yeah, you know. But I think you know, what we said before, like thinking results oriented, like I'm going to move out to LA and in one year I'm going to be blah blah blah. That might be someone's path. That's possibly happened to someone. They moved out, they put up the right bikini picture, and they they got a job. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you have to you have to pick a place and find a community, and that's the only way you're going to keep building those little pathways. I well, think I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm really, really, really thankful you're part of my community because it makes yes. my day and world and laughter a lot fuller. Every time I see you, you always have me in stitches. I oh. enjoy you so much, Brooke. I enjoy you as well. Always. Thank you for being my guest. I really appreciate it. I want you to come visit is what I want. Yes. I want to do that too. You know, I want to just ride some horses out there on your ranch. Yeah, too. girl. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Just yeah. get in your come car. On. Just yeah. get in your car. Come spend a weekend. And then maybe maybe then I can coax you to put up a 30-minute musical here or some other fabulous production out of your brain. Yeah, we should. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Anyway, thank you yeah. so much for being my guest and taking the time to talk with me about your life journey. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. It's fun to just talk to you. It's that nice to have a little conversation. <laughs> oh, no, it's been too long. It's been way too long. I've had so much good luck with getting people to be my guests out of merely being like, can we just hang out for an hour? Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So I'm really glad you were one of the people that said yes. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, listen, don't be a stranger. I'm going to text you as soon as I hang up there and tell you yeah. how much I adore you. So Perfect. thank you for being my Back guest. You. And I will talk to you soon. Yep. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Yep. Bye. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by the Natural History Institute, located at 126 North Marina Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. The Natural History Institute is a nonprofit which seeks to cultivate love and understanding of the natural world. They have programs for naturalists of all stripes, newcomer, novice, and veteran. All are welcome who are looking to deepen their relationship with the natural world. Please check out their website at naturalhistoryinstitute.org or head to their Natural History YouTube channel. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us? Or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.